Verses uh, 4 to 10 that deal with Jeremiah's call will be our focus. But in order to provide some context, we'll start reading at verse 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. Hear the word of God. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. And here begins our text. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So far from the word of God, may he bless it in our lives. We can respond to the sermon by singing hymn 84, all the stanzas, a song about the servants of God proclaiming the wonderful name of our Master, joining the angels in proclaiming the praises of Jesus and giving never-ending thanks for God's infinite love. Hymn 84, all the stanzas after the sermon. Brothers and sisters, loved by God and bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, bought. This is our only comfort. We are not our own. We, we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why we are called Christians. Christians, the word, the title itself, simply means people who belong to Christ. Or as we read together in Lord's Day 12, we are called Christians because we are members of Christ by faith. So what, you might ask? Why are you making a big deal that I'm called a Christian? Well, it is a big deal, and let me remind you by paraphrasing what we believe this means. We just read it. Just as Christ was ordained by God, 
and anointed by the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet, our teacher, to be our priest and our king, so we, as members of Christ by faith, share in his anointing. Every Christian, then, has a calling, including that as prophet we are to confess his name. And it's not just our catechism, of course. Listen to how Peter encourages his readers by, first of all, explaining who they are, and then follow, following that with for what reason, for what purpose. But you, Peter writes, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You, and yes, you, my brothers and sisters, are a people belonging to God. Why? For what purpose? We can't forget how this continues. So that... Here's the reason, so that you may declare the praises of Him, of the very One who called you out of darkness into the wonderful, His wonderful light. As was true since the very beginning, God's purpose has always been for people to proclaim, to make known His praises. Or we can put it another way, we are called to open our mouths and speak Just as we read how Jesus himself said, everyone who acknowledges or confesses me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And yes, how could we forget the calling Jesus gave his followers just before he went to be with his Father? All authority, he says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and so, because I have all authority, Jesus says, I am now commanding you, go, make disciples, all nations, etc. And so that we have a calling to share the gospel and to talk about our faith with others can hardly be questioned. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir there, so to speak. A better question, maybe, would be this. So how are we doing with carrying out and obeying this calling? Do we believe that God Himself has called us, has appointed us to be His prophet, yes, even from before we were even born. Are we reluctant servants, maybe doubting our abilities, or finding all kinds of excuses? Have we taken to heart Jesus' assurance that He is with us always, and that even the words that we are going to speak they will be given to us. Now, no doubt these last few questions, they might also give you, and that's the, the intention of them, they're also to give you a clue as to how we can be encouraged in our calling as a Christian today 
as we focus our attention on a certain prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And yes, who he did live a long, long time ago. And while we should recognize that Jeremiah was called to be a, pro- a prophet at a specific time in history, and it may be true that our calling isn't identical to his, we can at the same time learn a great deal from our passage that does relate to us today. And so I preach to you God's Word as we find it in Jeremiah 1, verse 4-10. to I've summarized it this way. God appoints Jeremiah as his prophet and promises to equip him for his task. And then I just followed the conversation between God and Jeremiah that we find in our text. I've divided the sermon in this way. First, we'll see God's revelation and calling. Secondly, we'll see Jeremiah's reluctance and complaint. Finally, we'll see God's reassurance and command. So first, we'll look at God's revelation and calling. The first three verses of this book, as we read, they set the scene for us. They paint a picture. Jeremiah came from a family of priests and and was what we might call a a preacher's son. He lived in Anathoth, a small village at the edge of the wilderness, close enough to Jerusalem to just be able to make out the city's walls, and then with sweeping views over the Jordan Valley and towards the Dead Sea. We are also told about the time period he lived in. He served as prophet for over 40 years. And he spanned the rule of three kings, as we read. See, this was a time when God's people were being tossed around, we could say, by three superpowers at the time. Assyria up in the north, Egypt to the south, and Babylon to the east. And so we can know that Jeremiah was a prophet during the decline of Judah as a nation, right up to the time when God's people were deported to Babylon. And so yes, it was a dark time in the history of God's people when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah with this message. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Wow. What what a profound and deeply personal message. And yes, how beyond our comprehension, the more we think about it, It's really hard to imagine the impact this must have had on Jeremiah as he heard this from God himself. So let's take a closer look at these words. They are so full of, of not only doctrine, but practical implications. First, we learn that before Jeremiah was even in a womb, God knew him. And the Hebrew word used for know here means much more than simply knowing about someone or something. 
Rather, it refers to a, a strong and, and, and even intimate knowledge of a person. Jeremiah could know that God knew him in this way even before he was formed in the womb. What a beautiful thing to hear from our Father. I knew you. You aren't an accident. And I had a plan for you before you were born. Jeremiah, I consecrated or I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations all long before you took your first breath. This is just so, so encouraging. Also for us, brothers and sisters. You see, Jeremiah wasn't chosen to be God's prophet based on his abilities or based on what a good person he was or wasn't. We simply can't go there since God had set him apart before he had a chance to do anything. And then knowing this, should Jeremiah, or are we, ever go through difficult times, and he certainly did, surely the very fact that he was divinely appointed even before his birth would help him get through these hard times. But yes, we admit this is something that our little minds have trouble really getting our heads around it, grasping. You know, all we can really do is marvel and praise God as David did in Psalm 139. Your knowledge is beyond my comprehension. It is so far beyond me, I cannot fathom. I'm unable to fathom it. But you know what? This truth that God knew and had a plan for everyone before his or her birth is mentioned in the Bible a lot more than we might think at first. First of all, of course, we have those words from Psalm 139 that I just mentioned. We, we sang from this psalm. For you formed me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then this is the bit that, that, that really highlights this. All the days ordained for me before, or all the days ordained for me were recorded in your book before one of them came to be. That's the psalmist. Prophet Isaiah. Before I was born, the Lord called me. The Lord formed me from the womb to be his servant. And much later, from the Apostle Paul, God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace so that I might preach Jesus Christ among the Gentiles. It is true for David. It is true for Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Paul. It is true for you and I. My dear brothers and sisters, God's ways are beyond our ways. 
And he is completely sovereign. And his choosing Jeremiah is not just some unique one-of-a-time thing. It is true of every believer. As Jesus Himself said, you did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And so while this may boggle our minds, may it also give you so much comfort. God not only knew you, before you were born. God not only knows you, He chose you and He appointed you to go and bear fruit. And this all happened long before you were ever, ever conceived. As a matter of fact, in Acts 17, we also learn He even has set and determined the exact times and places where we would live. And that means it's no accident that you are living in this particular time in God's story and right here in Sardis. And so we can be completely assured that the calling we have as a follower of Christ was ordained already before time even began for us. God knew us. He appointed us to a specific task. So then, knowing this, how will we respond? With that thought, we'll go back to Jeremiah and how he responded as we move to our second point, Jeremiah's reluctance and complaint. After the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, he, he is recalling here now how he replied. And I said, Jeremiah wrote, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Ah, or another translations have their alas. Unfortunately, O God, I regret to tell you, I'm not very good with my words. And I'm so young yet. And it piques our curiosity then how, how young he was. And actually the Hebrew word that is translated as youth is used for a, a wide range of ages. I'd like to just give you some examples. It's the same word that is used for the infant Moses in the basket. Of the, of the young boy Samuel ministering in the temple. Of Ishmael as a teenager. And yes, even Absalom as a young man. So what this means is that based on the word itself, we really can't know with any certainty exactly how young Jeremiah was. What we do know, however, is that as far as Jeremiah was concerned, he was much too young and inexperienced for what God is calling him to do. And so on these two grounds, his inexperience and his age, Jeremiah hesitates to accept the Lord's call. 
And he's not the first to resist God's call. And he won't be the last, neither. Isaiah, too, felt unworthy to take on the tasks that he was called to. Moses was another one who shrank away from God's call, and he came up with one excuse after the other, also that he wasn't very eloquent, but rather slow of speech. In all three of these examples, Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, God simply doesn't accept their excuses. Instead, God uncovers their false humility for what it really is. A lack of faith and trust that God will also give them what they need to carry out the calling they were given. Now, I don't know about you, but the more I think about what Jeremiah was called to do, I find myself feeling for him. There's no doubt he probably was very young. He was inexperienced. And he probably knew, it's, he knew what was happening in, in, in the world he was living in. He knew it wasn't going to be a pleasant message that he would have to bring. And not only to his own people, to the nations as well. No wonder he felt a bit afraid. He felt inadequate. And so being appointed as prophet was just too much for Jeremiah. Too much for him to get his head around. And so he honestly voices his reluctant complaint. Wait a sec, Lord. I really don't know how to speak well enough for that. And I am way too young. What about us today? How do we respond to God's call to us to be a prophet? To confess and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Sometimes we even respond with the very same complaint, don't we? Surely I don't have to start yet, do I? I'm young. Besides, who would listen to me? Can't I just enjoy life now and do that whole that sharing the gospel stuff when I'm older? Or we might say, I can't, Lord. I really wouldn't know what to say. Oh, I wish I could, but I don't have the gift of the gab like some people do. You know I'm more of an introvert. And yes, there are many excuses we might come up with. Obviously, I can't possibly name them all. But let's see if some of these examples strike a chord. Alas, Lord, because we always use alas every day, don't we? Alas, Lord, I'd like to help, but I'm just in the process of starting my business. I really have to focus on that now. 
Or, I'm really sorry, Lord, but in this stage of life, I simply can't find the time. How could I possibly add more to my life right now? Or, I'd, I'd love to give more of my money to support causes that promote your kingdom. But you know how it is right now. The budget is just too tight. Or we might say, maybe when the kids move out of the house, I'll have more time and energy then. And how can I live out the Gospel in my workplace anyways? I can't just talk about Jesus all the time, can I? They know I'm a Christian. Isn't that good enough? Brothers and sisters, the point of all these examples is simply to help us to realize that we too can be that reluctant servant and even complain when this topic of sharing or proclaiming the Gospel comes up. And and just to be clear, sharing in Christ's anointing as prophet, being called to confess His name, isn't just about standing on the street corner and preaching to everyone who walks by, or being involved in your church's evangelism projects. And don't get me wrong, these are all very good things. It is just as much about simply recognizing and showing that Jesus is Lord in your life. It is about allowing your life to be shaped by the Gospel and gladly sharing that with others. For when the Gospel is first and foremost in our lives, we will not be able to stop talking about it. If we think about the joy that the Gospel brings up, brings us, it's just going to have to spill out of us. If we seek first the Kingdom of God, everything else will be provided for. That's Jesus' promise to you and I. And that is also what Jeremiah finds out. God not only appointed him before he was born, he also promises to equip Jeremiah for his task. And this will bring us to our third point, God's reassurance and command. It occurred to me that all of a sudden I realized that this here is a man who is recording what happened. And it must have been very hard for Jeremiah to admit. Actually write it down. Put it on, 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 on papyrus, let's say. The way that he replied when God's Word came to him. But aren't you glad that he did? As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we can relate, we can understand his hesitation. And now we're left wondering, how will God respond? Will He lose His patience? 
No, brothers and sisters, God's response is full of grace and comfort and encouragement, while at the same time being firm and without veering from his plan for Jeremiah. Verse 7, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Notice that God doesn't deny that Jeremiah might very well be young and inexperienced. Nor does he get into whether or not this lack of confidence is is warranted or not. Instead, God simply redirects Jeremiah's focus. My child, stop with the excuses already. Don't say, I am too young. Just go where I send you and speak what I tell you to say. And God isn't finished. Verse 8, And don't be afraid of the people I send you to, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Again, God doesn't deny the reasons Jeremiah might be afraid. Surely God knows this isn't an easy task. Jeremiah would be confronting real people face to face who often would not be very receptive to the message he brought. Instead, God again shifts Jeremiah's focus and reassures him, you don't have to be afraid of them. For I, I am with you. And when you are in danger, I will be there to deliver or rescue you. What reassurance this would have been for this doubtful servant. And oh, brothers and sisters, how we can be assured and comforted by these wonderful words. Isn't it, I mentioned before the Great Commission. Isn't it remarkable, if you think about it, how we can notice the same pattern that we see in our text? Here is your call. Go. Go and make disciples. And lo, or behold, or never forget this, I am with you. Always. Jeremiah may be weak. God will make him strong. If you think about it, isn't this often God's way? His standard operating procedure? As I read somewhere. He enables, He equips weak tools to do difficult jobs. We too will be imperfect and weak. In fact, we can count on it. But that isn't a reason not to be a witness. Instead, let's be encouraged that with God's calling comes God's gifting. 
We'll continue, let's continue looking at God's response to Jeremiah, verse 9. God wasn't done reassuring Jeremiah, for then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, Jeremiah wrote. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And especially since he grew up in a priestly family, we could say, it is very likely Jeremiah would have recognized these words. For the Lord said the same thing to Moses, or he, um, Moses prophesied. And he wrote, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Of course, ultimately this prophecy was referring to, to for when it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yet prophecies often have more than one fulfillment. And since these words that came, specifically words that came to Jeremiah, so closely matched those spoken to Moses, he could be reassured that his call was in line with Moses' prophecy. And now it should be pointed out that God doesn't use prophets in the same way that He did in Jeremiah's time. You see, we aren't waiting for a word from God before we speak. Instead, we have the complete witness of the Bible. And we speak the word that God has already given to us. And brothers and sisters, lest we be a little bit jealous of Jeremiah who, 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 who experienced the Lord touching his mouth, we have so much more. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God Himself living in us. And He will guide us into all truth. Remember how we read that when Jesus commissioned His disciples... By sending them out as sheep among the wolves, he encouraged them, saying, do not be anxious or do not be afraid about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Will we be a bit nervous, afraid, when we share the gospel with a colleague or a friend or a supervisor or a boss or whoever our our neighbor might be this week? Probably. But Jesus Christ did not leave us all alone. He sent His Spirit to be with us. Like Othniel, if you were here this morning, or not this morning, earlier the service. Like Jeremiah, it's not about our credentials. It's not about how much we studied or how good we are with our words or our abilities. No, it is God's presence. 
It is the fact that He is right there with us. In us, even. And so know, know without a doubt that we too have been touched by the Lord. Not by His hands. No, in a much better way. By His Spirit who was sent to live in us. He will give us what we need to confess Jesus Christ. How reassuring is that? And then there was one final thing to note about the commission that Jeremiah received. The Lord informed him in verse 10, See, or we could say, or know this for certain, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy and overthrow, overthrow, to build and to plant. Well, time does not allow me to talk at length about, about this list and about the fact that, you know, out of the six, only two are positive. One thing that we can see is that in the end, grace prevails. God will rebuild and replant. And while it's true that we are now living after Christ has come, we are reminded that there still is a final destruction, we could say, that is coming before the new Jerusalem is restored once and for all. And this gives us all the more reason to reach out to the lost. And like Christ, like the apostles, like Paul, we too call each other and others to repent Knowing there is only one way to be saved, there is an urgency as we call people to turn to Jesus, to believe in Him. We share and proclaim a message of faith in Christ alone. From Romans 10, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's by believing. And then a bit later, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a privilege it is to be called to tell, to be the one to tell and declare to everyone the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. I'd like to wrap things up by being reminded of what we have learned and take home from that time a long, long time ago when the Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. 
First of all, we marvel and we can be comforted and encouraged that God had a plan for Jeremiah, that He has a plan for you and I before we were even born. He knew us. And He has appointed that we would be living here in Sardis at this particular time in our lives. As we can read in 2 Timothy, God is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our own works, but on His own purpose, based on His grace, which He gave us. Get this. He gave us His grace before time began. And while we, like Jeremiah, might feel reluctant, or that we are just not up to our prophetic calling for any number of reasons, let's always remember that Jesus Himself has commissioned us And we can go where He sends us with His promise ringing in our ears. I am with you. And Jeremiah was no doubt reassured when God touched his mouth. Like I said, we have even more. God Himself living in us so that it isn't we who speak, but the Spirit of our Father speaking through us. I talked about when Jesus sent His disciples out. Listen to how Christ encouraged His disciples right before He ascended into heaven. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be My witnesses. Notice the connection by the power of the Spirit. Isn't it so true? Not in my strength do I go, but with the power of Christ in me. God has done all of this for you and me. Will we not go wherever He tells us to go? Will we not confess that Jesus is Lord to everyone and anyone? Are we going to keep the Gospel the only way to peace with God and the hope of eternal life to ourselves? No. Freely we have received. Let us freely give. Let's always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us about the hope that we have. And may we always realize what a joy, what a blessing it is not only to be called and appointed by God, but also to know that He will equip and enable us for His calling. Amen.